cups, thirst, warmth, and enlightenment. Kindling, carrying, and upholding the spiritual. Our flaming chalice has been, a, has been a spiritual symbol of our religion for nearly a century. And for centuries, kindred spirits have affirmed the ongoing search for spirituality without the dominance of doctrines or hierarchies. The chalice is a cup or container, long ago a vessel for sacramental wine and its sharing. The cupping together of one's hands may be a vehicle for sharing, whether a young plant within the garden or feed for one's animals, or openness of affection and concern in a sacred community, or a dish of sustenance, or the kindling of hope. Our religion has upheld, even enshrined, the power of diverse religious traditions and the value of the search for truth and meaning in community. The flame in our chalice carries diverse meanings and symbols. It provides light in, in times of darkness. It is a source of warmth in homes. It's a reminder of the light and warming from the sun. And even the small fire in the wood stove can change the climate of the hearth during winter. Such flickering flames seem somehow akin to the twinkling lights of stars. The crescent moon seems a chalice upholding the dark of night with its reflections of the sun's warmth and brilliance. Just as the stove warms the kitchen, so does the body warm the mind and spirit. Our thoughts and inspirations depend upon our quiet fires of digestion and metabolism, and in turn, our visions and affections serve our healing and well-being. Thus, our body is a chalice containing the holy and the mysterious and burning with its own fires of invisible energy. The light of fire or sky or moon or lamp enter our own chalice, that of our bodies and their mysteries, not the least of which is the mother's body serving in love the body of the nearly newly born. And the remarkable flames of affection and connection emerging from so many human paths and uplifts and so many entrances of such flames through eyes, hands, mouth, nose, ears, hugs, walks together and magical moments. You've heard there are two overlapping circles in the UU flaming chalice, symbolizing the melding and joining of Unitarian and Universalist faith traditions. However, those circles also speak of joining of partners, fusing of families, acceptance of differences, and the illuminations of spiritual diversity. So may we remember how to light the fire, circle about it, dance, sing, and await dawn. A few years ago, a family in my neighborhood put up some beautiful light-colored balls, orbs, 
in their trees starting in late November or early December. The colors and the brightness were even more beautiful than just normal lights on the bushes or the trees. It made me say, ooh, every single time I turned the corner and saw them. Then my next door neighbor decided that she would invite people over to learn how to make these light orbs. A few years later, and a few orb-making parties later, and our entire neighborhood is covered in these beautiful balls of colorful light, and it brings me so much joy. The other night, my five-year-old son asked me why people put up lights, and I explained that most of the trees are bare of their leaves. It's cold, it gets dark really early, the sky is often gray, even in the daytime, and we need some brightness and color and light. That while many people call them Christmas lights, people have been putting up lights, lighting candles, burning special fires for thousands of years at this time of year because it's a human need. We need light. When the winter is long, light can feel like hope. Today we are near the end of the eight nights of Hanukkah, the festival of lights, the Jewish festival to remember the miracle of the Maccabees. The word Hanukkah means dedication, and the story of Hanukkah goes like this. About 200 years BCE, the Holy Land of Israel was occupied by a foreign army the Seleucids, the Syrian Greeks, who tried to force the Hebrew people to adopt their culture and beliefs. They defiled the temple to their one God. Against all odds, the small and poorly organized army of Hebrews, led by Judah Maccabee, defeated the Seleucid army and drove them out of the Holy Land. When they reclaimed their temple, they sought to light the temple's menorah, a seven-branched candelabrum, but found only one container of oil that was sufficient for this holy ritual. All the others had been contaminated by the enemy army. Miraculously, when they lit the oil, the one-day supply lasted for eight nights giving them enough time to ritually prepare and purify more oil. Hanukkah celebrates the history of the Hebrew people, a victory against an attempt to eliminate their culture and customs, and the miracle that demonstrated God's faithfulness by keeping the light alive. The Hanukkah or Hanukkah menorah, which is a particular kind of menorah, has space for nine candles, one in the center, the shamash that lights the others, and eight more to represent each of the eight nights that the light continued in the temple. As they light the candles each night, observant Jewish people recite or sing the Hebrew prayers that accompany the lights. Translated to English, they go like this. Blessed are you, our God, ruler of the universe, who makes holy through your commandments who makes us holy through your commandments and commands us to light the Hanukkah lights. Blessed are you, our God, ruler of the universe, who performed miracles for our ancestors in their days at this season. 
Blessed are you, our God, ruler of the universe, for giving us life, for sustaining us, and for enabling us to reach this season. These words are particularly poignant because the Jewish people have, throughout the centuries, been persecuted repeatedly as a religious and cultural minority. Perhaps never quite so aggressively persecuted as during the Holocaust, the time when the German Nazi government led by Adolf Hitler tried to completely eliminate Jewish people from Europe. Millions of Jews were killed in concentration camps, ghettos, and violent purges, while a large majority of the world ignored the genocide, despite growing awareness of it. It was during this time that a small, very small group of people, less than a handful, created the Unitarian Service Committee. The two people who were recruited to be at the center of the effort, which was originally named the Commission for Service in Czechoslovakia, were Martha and Wait Still Sharp. Wait Still Sharp, which is a very cool name, was a Unitarian minister from the United States, and his wife was Martha. They had two young children who they left in the care of congregants for many months at a time while they sailed halfway across the world to Prague. At the time, Prague was home to one of the largest Unitarian communities in the world. You might recall Norbert Chopek was serving as the minister there and originated the Unitarian Flower Communion celebration in that church and that he was eventually killed at the concentration camp Dachau for it. One month after the Sharps arrived, Nazis invaded and occupied Czechoslovakia. Their original plan had been to provide relief projects, but soon their project, headed by Martha, became to assist refugees in fleeing the country to safety and finding employment for them in the United States. At one point, Martha escorted 35 refugees, journalists, political leaders, and orphan children to England, concealing their identities along the way and narrowly avoiding arrest by the Gestapo. Martha's later work to arrange kinder transports, or the transport of large groups of children to safety in the United States, became a model for similar European and American work. In 1944, Wait Still Sharp was appointed to the, to the United Nations Relief and Rehabilitation Administration. In 1946, Martha ran for Congress, but was defeated because of beliefs that Unitarians were associated with communists. In 2006, both Martha and Wait Still Sharp were named Righteous Among the Nations by Yad Vashem a title of honor given to Gentiles who risked their lives to save Jews during World War II. The Sharps are two of only three Americans to have earned the title Righteous Among the Nations, and Martha, the only woman. In 2013, the documentary filmmaker Ken Burns co-directed a film called Defying the Nazis, The Sharps' War with Martha Waitstill's grandson, Artemis Joukowsky. 
If you're interested in their story, I recommend the documentary. It can be found on PBS, and actor Tom Hanks provides the voice of Wait Still. I share this story with you not only to underscore the history of our Unitarian Service Committee, which still exists today, now as the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, which supports issues of justice, amnesty, and relief around the globe, but also to share that this story is the origin story of our sacred symbol, the flaming chalice. When Martha and Waitstill were organizing the documentation required to assist people in fleeing their countries of origin, they both became proficient in creating affidavits and faking certification for travel. The director of the USC at the time, Charles Joy, believed that they needed the documents needed some sort of seal, something that could appear at the top of the document and have the weight and authority to look really official, but it needed to be unrecognizable by Nazi and border authorities. It couldn't be a United States flag or a Christian cross. An artist was hired locally in Portugal where they were working at that time. An Austrian refugee himself, the artist's name was Hans Deutsch, who created the seal for the documentation. He created the flaming chalice. What did the flaming chalice mean to the creator of it? We have only Joy's report to the Unitarian office in Boston, dated January 31st, 1941. Quote, it represents, as you see, a chalice with a flame the kind of chalice which the Greeks and Romans put in their altars. The holy oil burning in it is a symbol of helpfulness and sacrifice. In ancient and medieval art, this chalice is frequently found, and its design itself, modern and stylized though it is, reminds us of the signs seen on the old monastic manuscripts. This was in the mind of the artist. The fact, however, that it remotes, remotely suggests a cross was not in his mind. But to me, this also has merit. We do not limit our work to Christians. Indeed, at the present moment, our work is nine-tenths for the Jews. Yet we do stem from the Christian tradition, and the cross symbolizes Christianity and its central theme of sacrificial love. End quote. These next images are of the archives of the Unitarian Service Committee from its work during this time. You can see here a very crowded office in Lisbon, Portugal. And the images of the chalice can be found on the signage on the wall near the top and on the package near the center of the image. And then this next image is one from a supply room helping a child get fitted with a new outfit. The chalice is visible on the signage on the shelves behind the chalice, behind the child. The symbol of the flaming chalice, as we heard in our reading earlier, did not immediately become the symbol of our entire faith tradition. That took time. In fact, it was the Sunday school projects that transformed it from a two-dimensional image on documents and seals to a three-dimensional object that we now use to bookend our time together in services, meetings, and gatherings. 
But when we light our flaming chalice, I encourage you to remember or imagine the terror of the people who applied for the kind of documentation and paperwork that required that symbol on the papers. I encourage you particularly to hold the parents in your heart who applied to the Unitarian Service Committee for their child to receive safe passage to the United States, knowing that that meant they might never see them again. Imagine receiving your mail and opening the letter stating that your child had been accepted to a kinder transport and at the top of that letter, a small flaming chalice. We say words each week here at the Fox Valley UU Fellowship that are not words that are common to our Unitarian Universalist tradition. They are unique to this fellowship. They were written by a member here many, many years ago. I love our words, and I love being at meetings where we all try to remember them. I officiated the wedding of a young man this past summer. He had been raised here at the fellowship, and his mother is still active here. He and his soon-to-be wife had planned to use a unity candle in their wedding ceremony. When we were practicing lighting that unity candle at the rehearsal the night before the wedding, the young man and his brother both spontaneously began reciting our chalice lighting words. We all laughed, and I told them I was impressed. They hadn't been around in a long time, but those words have stuck in their mind, and I hope in their hearts. The problem is anytime words get used repeatedly, they have the possibility to become rote. Their meaning forgotten as we say them over and over again. So I'm going to say them now, slowly, and I hope that you can hear them anew, knowing what you now know about the symbolism and history of the flaming chalice. We light this flame, symbol of new life, enlightening our way, a symbol of the warmth in every human heart. Let the lighting of this flame rekindle in us the inner light of hope, of peace, of love. May we share that light with all people. When we say our chalice lighting words at home, which doesn't happen every night, but happens sometimes at dinner, I will often joke with my young children. Do we share the light with some people? Do we only share the light with people that we like? Or only who those who are like us? No, they giggle. All people. But that's the truth of the flaming chalice. The light is to be shared with all people. This is the season of darkness, especially with the end of daylight savings time. That darkness seems all-encompassing. And can we just be done with daylight savings time, please? The lights, whether they are large or small, twinkly, orb-shaped, or flaming, bring a sense of warmth, love, and hope, like the words of our chalice lighting remind us. 
The hope that the eight nights of Hanukkah recall that even when an army desecrates the temple, God is still there. That even when the flags of a genocidal regime fly on the streets, the light of faith is still strong. This image was taken in 1932 by Rachel, the wife of Rabbi Akiva Posner in Kiel, Germany. Inscribed on the back of the photo, she wrote, death to Judah, so the flag says. Judah will live forever, so the light answers. The light of our chalice flame also brings hope, as it did in the 1930s and 1940s, and as it continues to today around the world through our work of our service committee. When thousands of UUs from General Assembly descended on Sheriff Arpaio's tent city in Phoenix, Arizona in 2012, we wore our yellow side with love shirts carrying chalice flames and candles. And when several were arrested for blocking the court, the, the court doors in opposition to laws that allowed racial profiling, others in the jails recognized the shirts. Hey, we know you guys, they're reported to say. You're the love people. The flaming chalice, if we let it, rekindles in us that inner light of hope and peace and love so that we can share that light with all people. Our faith is not perfect. Our history was not always filled with people who faithfully answered the call of love. But Unitarian Universalism is a tradition that has, since the 1800s, been guided by a commitment to action, that our beliefs are not enough to guide the way. Our faith must be made real in the world. As we continue to partner with asylum seekers here in the Fox Valley and provide day-to-day -day assistance to make it possible for them to thrive in our community, as we continue to reach out to our Menominee neighbors to ally with their fight against environmental and cultural injustice, as we work with our local homeless prevention and support centers to provide basic needs for those who are unhoused in our community, as we strive to align our practices in support of climate justice, as we support and celebrate and practice mutuality with our Unitarian and Universalist partner churches in Romania and the Philippines, as we join our voices with Esther and Wisdom, our local and statewide interfaith community organizing coalitions to advocate against racism, for fair maps, for climate justice, equitable transit systems, and an end to mass incarceration. As we continue to be a voice in the community in support of GLBTQ rights, our flaming chalice lights the way. The world can feel like a very scary place sometimes. This is not the first time that fear and injustice have gripped our communities, nor sadly will it be the last. But as Fred Mr. Rogers reminds us, look for the helpers. I would add, be one of the helpers. Let's join our small lights together 
to create a path through the darkness. Let's allow our faith to light our way forward with hope and action. May it be so. Shalom. Amen.